0: Um, so what was the last movie that you guys watched in a theater before everything shut down?
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm i sad to say this, but it was Rise of Skywalker because that was Christmas 2019. Um, that was the one where I saw it in theaters. I'm pretty sure I saw it in the episode that when we reviewed it, Joyce, uh, where when Kylo Ren and Rey kiss, someone yelled, no. <laughs> <laughs> really loud. Yes, that's right. It's worse right. than
0: a lump of coal. <laughs> yes. Seriously. <Yeah. laughs>
2: that's, if, it, if it ended there, if, if all theatrical viewing, which it pretty much has at this point, ended there, things would have been, I think, pretty bad. I think my... my uh, yeah. Technically, my last film that I saw in theaters was the one that we're going to review today. But prior to that,
0: mm-hmm.
2: when we weren't sure theaters were ever, ever going to open again, I saw the Invisible Man remake with the elizabeth moss Moss one which was very good loved it and i was like you know what oh, if, yeah. if all theatrical viewing ends here this uh this mid-budget <laughs> horror film it'll do it'll do
0: i feel like i feel like there must have been one more movie that i watched before uh rise of skywalker like uh you know, like a movie that doesn't even have the pre-booking, like that you just walk into. I can't even remember what they're called. Those types of movies, like something that they didn't even intend to have in um, VIP or in ADX or anything like that. I'm sure they're much It's hard on to one think one of it more,
2: because it probably wasn't made by Disney. I can't remember. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very likely. Very likely made by Disney.
1: I know. Yeah. Joyce, you and I went and saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In the VIP, yeah, I remember that one.
0: We did uh,
1: that would have been way before.
0: And oh no, that so, came out. It I think so uh, many December things two. happened. Yeah, so many things happened in that um, in that VIP movie. Like there was a couple next to me that just kept coming in and out of the theater. Like the theater was just a a stopping ground for them to go back to the bar. It's like oh, let's go to the bar. Oh, I'm kind of bored of the bar. Let's see what's going on with the movie. <laughs> and they just kept, they kept leaving two, three times. They
2: were just, they, they were smiles. just, uh,
0: at, like at least, at least, they the were time. just
2: method performing as Leonardo DiCaprio's alcoholic character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought they were just walking around exactly. because, like Quentin Tarantino, they're obsessed with feet. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm bummed. Anyway, today on the Watchmen podcast with Matt, Joyce, <laughs> Sam. We are talking about uh, perhaps the last notable film to be in theaters, although it, it was released in the during the pandemic, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, uh, which I have described as the most Christopher Nolan movie that I've ever seen. Uh, so we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. one. Uh, maybe we will even have some sense to talk about it. I, I don't know. But before we do that, let's do the news. Please listen carefully. Uh, The Green Knight movie, made famous by our last news segment, now has a trailer released like days after the news, as if they listened in before we even released the episode and said, here you go, Matt, enjoy this. It's a dark looking trailer that gives us our first glimpse of Dev Patel as Gawain, Uh, but most importantly, we get a look at the real star, a talking fox named Renard. Uh, the movie is. This movie marks the first time, actually, that Circle Wayne comes to the big screen in his own movie, but not the first time we've seen A Talking Fox, because I can certainly think of at least one other movie, the old Robin Hood movie. What did you guys think of that Gawain trailer? I thought it was great.
0: Um, I. Yeah. Go ahead, Joyce. Yeah, I agree. I I've, I've never been as into um, kind of King Arthur lore as, um, as some other people might be. Like, I I read it as a kid, like, certainly dabbled into the lore, but um, but wasn't as interested in it as some others. However, I um, am very interested in Death Patel, so I will be watching it for sure. <laughs> That's fantastic, yeah.
2: I was just going to make a note. I'm actually yeah. glad that this read made an appearance in the news because last time we were talking about films that released under the A24 banner and I forgot to mention one of our Mm -hmm. podcast favourites, The Witch and uh, I think the thing to keep in mind with this Green Knight is that I think the trailer makes it look really, really interesting, at least for me the films that come out from A24 typically are marketed one way and then they are another way completely like, the walkout rates on those movies must be just like the highest, so I'm sort of hedging my bets on what it's going to be but interesting is at least what I can kind of expect from it and I don't know it just seems different I liked yeah. the, like the music in it and everything you made it feel yeah, folky yeah. while also having like a bit of a, a very dark kind of Guillermo del Toro-ish yeah. vibe mm-hmm. to it yep have you, ever wa- have you ever walked out in the
1: movie?
0: either of you? hmm
1: no I don't think so
2: uh, famously, yes. I, I've done a few, very yes. few, but I think the most yeah. notable was uh, the the film uh, Tree of Life, which I recently re- re-watched and actually enjoyed, but I was not in the mood. If you've ever seen that movie, it's a Terrence Malick movie with Brad Pitt, Sean Penn, um, yeah. and Jessica Chastain. I have
0: watched it, but I but I know that it's, like, peak Terrence Wow, Mallard.
1: Terrence Mallard. It is
2: very slow, very poetic, very, like, it, it like, yeah. shows the dawn of the universe. It's very, very, oh God. W- yeah. you know, whatever. I, I wasn't in the mood. I think I actually walked out to go to a bar on White Avenue. <laughs> if only you were at a VIP theater. <laughs> if only. You could have just... <laughs> yeah. Well, well gone to Princess play. Theater yeah. is always a VIP theater.
1: Speaking of movies you might walk out on, F9. The Ninth installment of the Fast and Furious. I think it's actually not oh. the ninth installment because there's all those other ones, right? But I don't know. Anyways, the ninth installment yeah. of the Fast and Furious franchise debuts overseas this weekend and is looking to shatter all 2020 box office numbers with <laughs> a $150 million opening. That's the projection, and that's the low end of the projection. Some think upwards of $200 million. Uh, Outside of Canada and the U.S., many countries have seen movie theaters reopening, and the people that live there, weary from COVID, demand the simple escape of listening to Vin Diesel talk about family f9 opens in but it has Helen Mirren.
0: i wonder i wonder if she ups the, ups the level
1: of i mean it can only go up joyce so <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay i've seen none of them so.
1: neither have i <laughs> f9 opens in korea yeah. hong kong the middle east russia and china this weekend they won't come to america until june 15th
2: i think the only thing notable about this aside from you know i i don't blame anyone for just wanting to watch uh Uh, Vin Diesel just, like, crush Coronas for, you know, close to two hours. Um, uh, Justin Lin, who directed, I think, probably the best installment in the Fast and Furious franchise, which I believe was number four or five, I think five, five, whatever. If only someone was here to fact check us. Uh, He's back for this one, so that gives some ray of hope. But I mean, it's the ninth movie in a ridiculous franchise. Like, expectations should be, like, so low.
1: Yeah, how much more is there to say in this franchise? Like, at some point, it's just a money grab, right? But oh well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: Oh, speaking of money grabs. Amazon is in negotiations to acquire MGM Studio for a cool nine billion dollars. Fun fact about that kind of money. If you were to earn a thousand dollars per hour, how long do you think it would take you to make nine billion dollars? At a thousand dollars? 80 80 years. 80 years? What do you think, Sam?
2: Uh, (laughs) the entirety of the dawn of the universe.
1: It takes takes roughly 1,026 years if you made $1,000 an hour, every hour, to make $9 billion. So if you were to labor that hard for 1,026 years, you could own the rights to such franchises as James Bond, The Hobbit, Rocky slash Creed, Robocog, and of course, Pink Panther, as well as the rest of the deep MGM library. This would be yet another big media merger in the wake of several others, including most famously, I guess, Disney and Fox, but also AT&T and Time Warner, CBS and Viacom. There's a whole bunch going on. One day we'll just have one media provider and it will beam content right into our brains. This just reminds me that I I, I believe it was
2: in around Christmas time uh, last year that um, Apple was almost going to buy the rights to the most recent James Bond film, which has just been shelved, I think, until they can release it, because it's finished. I think they were, like, they were asking like $900 million for the one film. Some crazy amount. Um, Clearly the deal didn't get done, but I I still really want to watch that James Bond movie. So, I don't know.
1: No Time to Die? No Time to Die. Yeah. Uh, Well, some time to watch it, I guess. Uh last bit of news Universal announced the movie Beast will come to theaters in the summer of 22. No, it's not a film about the X-Men character, nor is it a film about the 90s Sega Genesis game Altered Beast, though I wish it were. But rather, well, uh, uh, what do you guys think the movie Beast is about? If you do you already know what it's about, if you don't, just whatever comes to your head first, tell me what you think it's about.
0: I would have watched either of those, like Beasts from the X Men or
1: the Altered Beast.
0: <laughs> yes, um, I I don't know. I think it's a, it's a grizzled a grizzled origin story of another unknown superhero. If it's that's like a boxer or something, or a fight, or an MMA fighter, something like because that.
2: because it's universal, that would lead me to believe it could be a werewolf movie meaning a uh, werewolf monster.
0: Oh, that's way smarter.
1: It is, but it is wrong. Uh, Beast is a movie about a father played by Alba, Idris Elba and his two teenage daughters being hunted by a masked rogue lion in South Africa. I guess it's a oh. lion that doesn't play wow. by the rules. Like, I don't know what a, what a rogue lion is. It like... He doesn't play by the rules, but he gets results. Damn it! Have you ever seen the uh, what's that other
2: famous lion movie? Um, like the goat, Ghost in the Darkness. Ghost in the Darkness. That's a yeah, great movie. Them. No one talks about that movie.
0: Oh, Michael movie. Douglas he, in that movie. Isn't a rogue? He isn't sure a is. Rogue lion. Ro- a, isn't a rogue lion like just a free lion? Yeah, I mean, I
1: <laughs> he doesn't adhere to lion law. Uh, I'm googling <laughs> a rogue lion right now. Ooh. There's another movie called Rogue Lion. Rogue. Well, I, there's no definition of it, but I'm just assuming it's like a lie and they can't be
2: true Ro- Rogue is also an X Men character, so this could actually be an X Men setup, even yeah. though Universal doesn't own the rights to X Men. Who knows?
1: This movie is being written by the guy who wrote Rampage, which reminds me that we reviewed Rampage. Remember that choice? We sure
0: did. We did. We've reviewed yeah.
2: lots of good movies on this podcast.
1: Anyway, that's the news. Let's have a short trailer for Tenet.
0: To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face.
1: As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III.
0: Nuclear Holocaust.
1: No. Something worse. Oh, okay, tenet Whoa, what a movie! Um, uh, what a ride. You know, uh, we always start with whether you liked it or you hate it. Sometimes we do plot summaries. I don't know if we'll do that for this one or not. Um, we already I, did it. Not kind of Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you listen to this
1: backwards, uh, we're speaking Ukrainian in reverse. Yes. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Tennant is, uh, if you're wondering, what is Tennant? It is uh, basically a James Bond movie. If they let Christopher Nolan do his crazy stuff about um, time and I guess the nature of reality. Uh, It's essentially imagining a world Mm -hmm. where they've discovered a way to reverse entropy. So entropy is, um, I guess, like. You know, a fire burns and then it eventually runs out of fuel and it dies. Uh, the opposite of that would be like reverse entropy. It would be like instead of the fire burning till it dies, it would be dead and then go backwards into a burn. Or, you know, instead of people walking around forwards, they'd be walking around backwards. Or instead of a bullet flying out of a gun, a gun would catch a bullet, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of what's going on mm-hmm. in this movie. And put in a sort of James Bondian type plot where. Uh, a kind of villain character is um, trying to uh, basically destroy the world by reversing all entropy, uh, destroy the world and the universe mm-hmm. because he's got like pancreatic cancer. I guess. Sharks
2: with lasers on their head. Yes,
0: and repeat. Yeah, pretty <laughs> pretty <laughs> and, much. And it's that the way that it's explained for this time travel is that it's not you who's moving, it's time that's moving. So you're not moving through time, it's time that's moving through. You're you're, um, static, but time is moving through you. Yeah, and you can go
1: through these turnstiles and they will let you either – what is it called? Reverse? Inversion. Reverse your – inversion.
0: Inversion. And that way Mm. you
1: can go backwards when everyone else is going forwards, which sounds confusing and is. movie stars uh, John David Washington, who – you know what? Before the pandemic, he was he was a big deal. You know, he's a black Klansman, and uh, he just got in this gig. But I don't know what he has coming up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should uh, check that out. R. Pats is in there, looking as handsome as ever. Kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. plays the bad guy, so it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty stacked.
2: And Michael Caine obviously has a small appearance you. because it's a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> Michael.
1: <laughs> Michael Caine in the strangest part yeah, of all. uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's get... Did did I screw up anything with my quick overview of I this movie? Think I
2: think you could do this overview a hundred times and do it differently every time. Yeah, pretty
1: I, much. I think yeah, it is It is
2: worth... Uh, obviously... And it's still the Obviously, for everyone listening who has listened to us before, you know that we're going to spoil everything from this point on. And you also might be wondering why we're reviewing a movie that came out in 2020... Um, one, we weren't recording podcasts at that time, but two, it's actually just finally come to digital. So now you can actually stream it at home on Crave Mm -hmm. or whatever else. Um, Mm -hmm. so we all, uh, I, I was revisiting it after seeing it, as I alluded to in the preamble. Um, I think I saw it in July when we were allowed to go to a theater, whereas Matt and Joyce, you both watched it for the first time. So I'm curious to hear both of your first impressions off the hop here.
1: Joyce, go ahead.
0: Um, My first, you know, there are moments where I think Christopher Nolan does really good work when it's straight, when, I don't want to say when it's straightforward, but you know, when it's straightforward, but any time time comes into play, that's when it starts. That's when I start getting a little bit impatient with it because It can, I mean, it can never be straightforward. And I think it's not the movie that makes me impatient. It's all of the, um, all of the, what's the word I'm looking for? Conspiracy theories after, and they shouldn't be conspiracy theories. They're like theories after. Um, and, and sometimes I just feel that it's so ego encasing for him to put any understanding just out of reach and then blame the viewer for not understanding it. You know, so that's where, that's why I started, I said, like, I spent the entire weekend thinking about this movie and then getting irritated with Christopher Nolan at the same time because I wanted to get it. And, um, so, I mean, I did find, I did find a lot of parts of it very clever. Um, I really like the entire cast. I'm really happy for our pats to get away from his previous, you know, twilight, um, What's the word of his Twilight persona, I guess? I really like Elizabeth Debicki. Um, she's actually going to be, uh, Princess Diana in the next season of The Crown, uh, for anybody who watches that. Um, I found little bits of it very clever. Like, um, I, I read, I read that and I didn't notice this. I can't give myself credit for this, but I read that even the score is a palindrome. And so when you're, when you're going forward in time, it's one, it's one score. And then when you're going backward in time, it's the same score, but it's reversed. So I think like things like that is very, um, are nice touches that Christopher Nolan always does. But after a while, it just gets a little out of hand. And I think that maybe this is, this is how I would summarize this movie is that it's peak Christopher Nolan, but out of hand.
1: I think that's a good summary. I think I would agree with that. I I certainly walked away and said, wow, this is the most Christopher Nolan thing I've ever watched. Uh, It carries all the things that I uh, think about when I think about Christopher Nolan in terms of themes, Mm -hmm. obviously time, memory, Mm -hmm. uh, sentiment, desire. Uh, It even has action if we want to mix in the Batman films. But, you know, like when you think about movies like Momentum or... um, you know any any of the other ones that he's done even dunkirk right like it's all in here mm-hmm. i didn't know that about the music playing background backwards but obviously like palindromes play a big a big part in this movie Tenant um refers to the that time travel pincer the move that they did at the end was 10 minutes and 10 minutes so it's 10 twice both ways that makes tenet um the character mm-hmm. named sator is based on the sator square maybe you guys have seen that or maybe you haven't um
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it if you have seen it it also explains why the opening scene took place in an opera i'm just going to post it in the chat so you guys or i'll post it in discord so it doesn't make a sound but you guys can see it um but it's uh you know that's also a palindrome things coming backwards and things going forwards uh and that is interesting in its own, but does it make sense yeah. in a movie? Is it worthwhile as a movie? It's a in, in plot in plot terms, the movie's not all that complex, right? Like there mm-hmm. it's about mm-hmm. the it's uh, there's a supervillain, there's MacGuffins, they're trying the supervillain mm-hmm. is trying to get all the infinity stones, and if he does, he can end the whole world. <laughs> but it does actually
2: have hero, major um, like yeah. Thanos vibes, yeah. Kenneth Branagh but, does in this in this movie, yeah. for
0: sure. But for a, a, a far less um, psychotic saving the world uh, endgame,
1: though. <laughs> well, I mean, he wants to end the world entirely, which I almost yeah. think makes but, more sense.
0: But, right, rather than half of it to save the other and half. That
1: was just foolish. Like, I didn't get that at all. Well, at least with this guy, I was like, okay, so he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. And we he, want to destroy like,
2: the world well, the people That's from the, the future yeah. that set up uh, Kenneth Brana to destroy the world believe that they will still be able to survive because of the grandfather paradox, Matt.
1: Oh yes, right, right. Jeez, you really know this. Uh, so
0: Neil, <laughs> what did you think?
1: What <laughs> do you mean, Sam? Um. Oh.
0: Yes. I was thinking about. I had a question about Neil. <laughs> so, and then I and then I said Neil instead of Sam, but. Sam, what did you think? And then I'm gonna ask my question.
2: <laughs> so I actually felt obvious. Like I felt very similar to both of you when I saw this movie the first time. I think going into it, especially seeing it in the theater, I I, I think the best part was I actually got to watch it on film. Um, so there's just a certain mm-hmm. ambiance that comes with that You can hear that you know the projector clicking away behind you. Um, but mm-hmm. after seeing Dunkirk, Interstellar, um, Dark Knight um inception all of those movies absolutely blew me away in my first viewing and and in that theatrical experience each of them was so unique and just offered something that really no other filmmaker is doing on like a blockbuster scale and i think this was the first time Mm -hmm. since maybe the dark knight uh rises that's the last one right yeah that i felt actually pretty underwhelmed by what i just watched and agreeing with a lot of your points right loving loving the main cast loving certain elements um the music was a big highlight surprise surprise um the way that it's shot and everything mm-hmm. I definitely love but just thinking that was truly confusing and even though there's a character in the film that's explaining early on what kind of is going on with the the inversion and things moving backwards to John David Washington's character who by the way is just called the protagonist because That's either the biggest winking nod to the fact that Christopher Nolan hates developing his characters that much, or I don't (laughs) even know what. But there's a character early on that in explaining, uh, how this all works to him, she's like, don't think about it too much. Just kind of experience it. Just kind of feel it. Move on with your life. And Mm -hmm. I think that was sort of Christopher Nolan talking to the audience, being like, Hey, you know, this movie has got all these crazy layers of, you know, pseudoscience and, Maybe some real science and weird ideas of time and everything. But it's also just like a big schlocky James Bond action movie, and you could probably just enjoy that for what it is. And I tried to do that, yeah. and I just couldn't quite do it when I saw it in the theater. Now, watching it as Christopher Nolan did not intend on my iPad with subtitles on, I really liked it this next viewing. I was like having much lower expectations, kind of knowing the story. Having the ability to, like, read, you know, the exposition, which he clearly did not want you to do, and, you know, rewind a few times and, like, rewatch moments, I really liked it. I was like, this movie is pretty cool. I mean, all the things I liked about it, I still liked, but I kind of had control over how much I was going to be able to understand or appreciate the movie instead of just being overwhelmed by... The loudness, being overwhelmed by the confusingness, being overwhelmed by, you know, the Christopher Nolan-ness of the movie. So I think on second viewing, I I definitely liked and appreciated it a lot more.
0: I think I also watched it in my very first viewing in a way that Christopher Nolan never intended. And this actually drives my... I have a screenwriter friend who just um, absolutely loads that I will read spoilers that I will rewind things on first viewing because she keeps telling me that's not how the storyteller intended you to take it in but like you said Matt before it was that once the story is out there it's actually the person in taking it that gets to decide how they want to read or view or whatever to experience the story and I definitely kept going back and kept going back so there, I think one of the pivotal scenes is that turnstile scene where the protagonist and Neil, uh, Robert Pattinson, walks through each, they walk through their own individual door and there's a, a glass um, window in between them. And then they start fighting with other people, right? And, like, and I think because it's a Christopher Nolan movie, I'm immediately suspicious, and it's about time, I'm immediately suspicious of everything. Like when Elizabeth Debicki's character said, oh, I saw this woman jumping... Jumping off a boat. I thought that's her. It must be her. And then when they were fighting with the masked people, I thought they must be fighting each other. And I kept going backwards to see if I could get a glimpse of, you know, of faces or anything to, to prove that.
1: And, and you were right. I mean, I was
0: right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it certainly feels like an Easter egg movie that you probably should go back and rewatch again, because then that opera scene at the start would make sense, I guess. And, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, stuff later would make sense. But um, I think like part of me is like, you know what? I like that, in a Hollywood, even like a blockbuster kind of movie a director is allowed to just take risks and do something like this. And certainly I think Nolan, yeah. I think this is the reason Nolan did all those Batman movies was so that he could make movies like this one. Um, and that's why my response to this movie was those like knives out memes where I was like, you know, it makes no sense. Compels me though, <laughs> because I I watched this uh, over two days. Like I watched an hour and then I watched an hour and I wasn't like, oh, man, I got to go back to this movie. I was genuinely like, I really want to see how this plays out. I couldn't really make sense of it. Uh, speaking of the music, though, who who composed the music? Ludwig
2: Gordon, who does The Mandalorian,
1: who does The Mandalorian, which is pretty cool. cool facts. And
2: it, a, yeah. a cool fact about the music in this is that um, it actually was only 80 percent done by the time the pandemic hit. So for some of the orchestration, he actually had to get the, um, the, the different um, musicians to perform parts of the score alone in their homes. And then he composited it all to wow. finish the music, which is pretty impressive.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. You know who else did that? Um, such a departure from this movie. But Raya, The Last Dragon, the latest Pixar movie, I think, Pixar? Um, Disney at any point they uh they had most of 80 i think 80 percent of the movie was done in people's individual homes including um including all the voice work that's pretty cool pretty curious i yeah i
1: mean overall i was like this movie is really well shot it's got great Mm -hmm. acting uh i thought the story is kind of whatever but at least it's got some weirdness (laughs) to it um and and that's Fine. Like, I didn't, I didn't hate watching it or anything like that. I don't think I would give it a negative Rotten Tomatoes review. But it is kind of like, kind of pretentious in the end. And like, I think it's Mm -hmm. trying to make some statement about the nature of time that is just sort of weird and doesn't, like, I feel like, and I don't know, I haven't watched a sort of a physicist explains Tenet or something like that. But I'm sure there's tons of holes and things that just doesn't make any sense.
0: He
2: did Christopher Nolan did work with
0: um, so here's the question. um oh, did bring
2: in the same physicist who uh helped uh what's the word? Uh helped out with Interstellar, consulted Interstellar. on Interstellar to yeah. consult on his script here. He's fully aware that not everything in this movie is scientifically sound. He wants it to feel <laughs> grounded in a realistic universe, which is true of all of his films, right? Even even the yeah. bat. The fact that people talk about his Batman movies as being realistic is just an indication of how much care he kind of puts into trying to make things feel like they're set in a real world. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. yeah, the science doesn't make a hundred a hundred percent sense even to the layman. So it's you know you kind of have to get over it. One thing that I did want to bring up that I think also ties back to his obsession with trying to make his movies feel or trying to put you in the shoes of their, the characters in these movies is the sound. Um, This is much less of a problem when you're listening to it at home. And it's been an issue with, I think the last like three or four Christopher Nolan movies is that the dialogue mixing is so low, right? Where in certain moments you just cannot hear what they're saying. Especially when I saw it first in theaters, it's like, one people are always wearing masks in Christopher Nolan movies, and without the practice of an entire pandemic to get used to it, I was like just hap <laughs> like hapless to like you know understanding ninety percent. If you thought Bane wearing a mask talking was bad, <laughs> now just like put every character in this movie in a in a breathing apparatus and have them like go through five minutes of exposition. But I don't know, like I also yeah. like to Matt's point. I I just I appreciate and I respect when a director or any artist like really is trying to do something different and is trying to like push boundaries. I think it's hit or miss here for Christopher Nolan. Like I, I like that it's a weird multi hundred million dollar movie that like sometimes you can't even understand what the characters are saying. But at the some, at the same time you're like, it's kind of nice to be able to understand what your characters are saying. So I don't know. It's, it's, it really is a mixed bag, but I think again on my second rewatch, I kind of could shelf the story aspect a bit more and just be amazed at how many insanely cool set pieces there are in this movie. Like just one after the other, it's like really insanely well thought out and executed set pieces from the opera house opening. That's honestly probably the highlight of the movie. It's just so kinetic and, you know, drops you right into the action to, the car chase sequence to the fight choreography and the hallway, like reverse forward fight. I think the only bad set piece in my mind was like that final war sequence that was a bit like, it just kind of felt a bit unwieldy and like a bit long and just not super focused, but there's like, it's just insane how many different big action moments happen in this movie and also how much of it is done practically, which is pretty much all of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's very impressive. The action scene sequences Mm -hmm. are very good. And I mean, they were very good in Batman Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, To me, I just Mm -hmm. felt like, wow, this is so James Bond, right down to all the army Mm -hmm. men attacking some uh, like hideout or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that about the dialogue, because when Laura and I were watching it, and Laura only watched for like 30 minutes, but she was like, the the mixing on this is awful. And I was like, I think it's because we're watching this in Russia. I think that's the reason, but I guess not. I guess that's just the way Nolan intended it.
2: There's a book that just came out of kind of about his career. It's called the Nolan Variations. Um, And there's a quote in there that says that other directors, he like recognizes this. He's like, I had other directors emailing me when the movie came out being like, the sound mixing is terrible. I can't hear what your actors are saying. And he's like, whatever that's like what i want right like <laughs> deal with it and, and, and it's hard to kind of grasp so, like you can only speculate why he does it i personally think it's just because like he's either accentuating the music in a lot of this movie the music is so oppressively loud it's awesome music it's just like pounding synthesizers like i i couldn't be happier but um in other moments it's like there's two characters having a conversation that's like pretty important information especially at the beginning of the movie it's like the one dude setting up John David Washington with everything to know he needs to know about Tenet. And they're standing on the edge of a boat. And in yeah. most movies, all you could hear is the dialogue with like some water splashing in the background. This is like 95% ocean waves crashing against the side of a boat with like 5% audio or dialogue mix. And so you, you kind of get the impression that it's like he wants you to feel like you're standing there with them trying to hear them. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I, I understand that, but it's also, you know, it makes it hard to follow the movie too.
1: It's like oh, It's You know, it, it's funny because I'm watching this movie and I'm glad I'm at home. But on the other hand, I'm like, there's a baby sleeping above me in like the, her, her room. And I'm like jacking the volume for dialogue and then quickly turning it way down when anything else happens so that I can, so it was really, I was an active watcher. I'll tell you say that. Do
2: not watch this movie with a sleeping baby. <laughs> in your house <laughs>
1: don't watch any movies so, of this. i
0: movie. have i have two i have two questions for you guys the first is if someone can explain to me the ending and how they ended up killing Seder. and and the second one is is neil maximilian
1: oh the kid is he the kid
0: catherine catherine's son elizabeth debicki's character's son yeah
1: i think these things are supposed to yeah. be left open right um, I, like, I, yeah, I, I don't because
0: know. If you if I
1: don't think there's anything in the movie
0: Neil would be the palindrome.
1: I don't think there's anything
2: in the in the movie that actually explicitly would prove that he is um, her son. but I think that's what they're going for, right? Because it's the whole idea is that in the future when this kid grows up, you know 10 years down the road, the kid's probably yeah, I don't know 10 years old, maybe eight, ten years old in the movie now. Ten years later, John David Washington's protagonist is older. He sets up Tenet and, you know, recruits this now teenage uh, um, Robert Pattinson. And then they go on adventures together. And eventually, John Connors him by sending him back in time to meet him before he even knows who he is to to go through this mission together. Because that's the twist is that he that Robert Pattinson's character has been moving backwards through the storyline The whole time, right? Mm Hmm. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and he was the guy with the backpack.
2: A testament to how confusing the movie was is that I didn't realize that he actually dies in the movie. Yeah. I I that was a revelation in this in this viewing of it. I was like, oh, I I had no clue that he was dead the first time I saw this movie.
0: What was the clue that meant that he was dead? The backpack with the lanyard.
1: Yeah, someone, like, takes uh, a bullet for um, the main, the protagonist, and he's dead, and the backpack is there with the little, yeah, the little lanyard. And when oh. when Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, is, like, walking away, he's like, ah, oh, it's the backpack. And then I guess he thinks to himself, I'm going to send this guy back in time when I meet him in the future, <laughs> even though I know he's going <laughs> to die. Well, here's my other question about this. Is this all cyclical? Like, is is they trying to say that all this stuff will happen and has happened? I, I can't remember that part. Like, is the protagonist at the end of that movie destined to therefore repeat these same steps, knowing that he does it?
2: Isn't that exactly word for word what he asks Robert Pattinson at the end of the movie? And Robert Pattinson's like, I don't know, you'll have to find out. Because <laughs> isn't the whole thing is like Robert Pattinson's character keeps saying what's happened, like what happens has happened, right? So, like, his death is technically inevitable, even though he could tell him, you know, don't go back through the inversion and go die. He's like, it's all, he's trying to mix, like, this idea of what's happened, happened with the idea of a death, like, destiny, right? It's John David Washington's character's destiny to fulfill this, you know,
1: this reality. And the, yeah, that gets into the idea of like parallel universes yes. and things like that. Like, are we? Do you, if you change things, does it change on like Earth Two and not this Earth and things like that? They kind of. of,
2: they kind of hint at that idea of parallel universes. I think a few times in this. Mm.
1: It's a, it is a very weird movie, but it's fun. Do you think I? People are like, oh, will they make a sequel? And that would be very un-Christopher Nolan, other than Batman, so I don't mm-hmm. think they will. It,
2: this was the movie that was supposed to save cinemas during the pandemic, and oh, I it I, it did underperform for even what was possible at that time. And I think that's also why I wanted to review it again now, especially having watched it again. I think, I think um, not to jump too far ahead and say whether we're going to recommend it or not, but... Um, I do think it was kind of overlooked by a lot, by like the general audiences because it really, you know, it's a fully original movie with relatively not unknown actors, but not Leonardo DiCaprio level that's going to like bring butts to seats, right? So I think there was a lot, mm-hmm. like really it, it was the Christopher Nolan name that would either bring you to this movie or scare you away from it. And I think a lot more people got scared away from it than, than maybe was fair because I do think there is a lot to enjoy in it if you can kind of shut off the part of your brain that wants to understand how it all works. Because even still now, trying to wrap wrap my head around some of the moments where it's like you really need to try to put the pieces together of what's happening and which direction people are going and everything, it it, it really is a, a a puts your mind in a pretzel.
1: You don't think Kenneth mm-hmm. Branagh of MCU fame can bring butts to
0: seats? <laughs> <laughs> Not the same way Leo can.
2: <laughs> Odin himself. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: that
1: okay. no Odin is um He's Odin. Did he play? No, I thought Oh, Odin was... no, I'm
2: sorry. You're right. Kenneth Branagh directed it. Um
1: Anthony yeah, Hopkins is Odin. It. Yeah. And, and also didn't That's Kenneth Branagh it. play a bad guy? I'm going to I'm going to Google this. I'm going to fact check it myself. Um
0: I feel like he only plays bad guys. Except on Murder yeah. in the Orient Express. I've never seen him as a... Pro-
1: that's true. That-
0: oh, yeah, that's He's true. Very charming. Is that
1: coming that's out true. again? I take it
0: back.
2: I thought he was really good kind of in this as as the villain because, I mean, it. I think it's almost unfair in this film to like really harp on the lack of depth in the characters because the protagonist doesn't have any characterization. That's clear by the fact that he doesn't even have a name. Elizabeth's
1: good. That's his character. He's a good he's
2: a good guy. guy, and you know Sator is a bad guy, and Kenneth Branagh sells the fact that he's a bad guy. He's got a yeah, he's a got job. a really scruffy yeah. looking beard. He's very angry and yells in a Russian yeah. accent. These are all things that will let you know yeah. that he's bad. Elizabeth Debicki loves her son. That's her that's her character. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, it's really weak. Yes. I mean, that's that's the thing uh, when Matt says that it's Christopher Nolan's most Christopher Nolan-y movie. It's like, literally, for better and worse, everything that he does well and everything he does terribly is amplified to 10 in this movie.
1: It's true. Yeah, it's, it's true. true. Kenneth yeah. Branagh directed it. He, he was not in it. So no wonder he's not mm-hmm. of MCU fame. Thor he directed. the the One of the least popular of the, the MCUs. Uh, yeah. yeah well, let me ask you this. I don't know if you guys can think. Does this rank in like your top five Christopher Nolan movies? And, uh, you know, if you're thinking, I'll, I'll get a list of Christopher Nolan movies so that we can uh, we can be reminded. I think,
0: I think no. Like, I don't think that I could off the top of my head rattle what would be the five yeah. Christopher Nolan movies. But I don't think it would be.
1: Top five is a lot because, you know, he's not famous for too many. But like you've got uh, yeah. uh, here are some movies he did. If you just Google him. Dark Knight, obviously. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Batman Begins. Memento. The Prestige. Dunkirk. Tenet. Interstellar. Inception. Um, am I missing any, Sam, that you can think of?
2: The Al Pacino and Robin Williams. One that nobody ever talks about. Insomnia. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that.
1: And so I really like the prestige for me, my list of Nolan movies. And I think we did a list before mm-hmm. and it's probably changed. Is probably Dunkirk, mm-hmm. The Prestige, mm-hmm. uh, Memento, and then maybe Inception, maybe Batman Begins.
2: I don't know. I'd probably i I'd, mm-hmm. I'd follow you pretty closely. Um, Dunkirk is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. I don't think he'll make a better movie than that. Um, it It does everything perfectly and was the best movie I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a theater. Um, then after yeah. that, Interstellar.
1: Did
0: we see that together? Yeah,
1: uh,
0: we saw that in IMAX. Together, we did. Right?
1: We saw it in IMAX. Yeah. Dunkirk, I don't know if Sam was yeah. with us, but uh, Joyce, you you and I oh, did. Yeah.
2: Interstellar would follow. Mm-hmm. Then probably. Uh, the Dark Knight, then mm-hmm. Inception, and the other Batman movies. And then it kind of gets a bit convoluted, but I, I do think this would be, like, more of a middling Christopher Nolan movie. But maybe it'll be a grower. I don't know. I liked it, again, like mm-hmm. I said
1: numerous times, I liked your, it.
0: What was your third one, Sam? Sorry?
1: What was the third one? What was the third mm-hmm. one, you said? Uh Dark Knight.
0: You just, you just cut out for me. Dark Knight. Oh, Yeah. I think my list would be very similar too. Dunkirk is at the top of the list. That was a beautiful movie. Um, I think Dark Knight is also up there, and I really liked Inception. I mean, there were my, my some of my criticisms for Tenet are similar for Inception. I was going to say, <laughs> but I yeah, but I found that like Leo and Marion Cotillard are just so beautiful in that in that movie that um, it ranks a little higher for me because of them because of their skill really I think yeah.
2: it, I think it's you guys a, aren't big fans of the Prestige huh? no the Prestige is good I just haven't oh, rewatched I it the in forever I
0: loved yeah I loved the Prestige that was excellent I forgot about that yeah I love I
2: the would prestige. say compared to Inception I think a lot of people were, were pairing the Tenet and Inception just with like being that kind of more like globetrotting action oriented film with like a a pretty heady Mm -hmm. quote-unquote sci-fi kind of twist to it it was it was just an anniversary for um inception i think 10th anniversary i rewatched it and i think Mm -hmm. i i really enjoy it but again it was a movie that was i would say almost inverted (laughs) version of this one because It was really (laughs) overhyped and really oversold as this, like, amazing thing when it first came out, right? Everyone's mind was blown.
0: Yeah.
2: And people were praising it galore while also being like, okay, this is confusing. And I think as you – when you rewatch it, your expectations kind of, you know, I think it it, it finds a more even rating or kind of even um, quality when you rewatch it now. I think Tenet could be the opposite where it's like people are pretty cold on it right now, pretty – you know, even upset about it. I think if you were to watch it 10 years from now, you'd be like, that was really entertaining. It was pretty fun. So I don't know. I, th- I think that,
0: yeah.
2: yeah, aside from like the few that are really spectacular in Nolan's filmography, like whether that's from like a changing the face of cinema with like The Dark Knight to just being a, a damn good movie with uh, Dunkirk, I think this one will just kind of be Another Christopher Nolan movie that you could choose to revisit or not. Yeah. Um, I just think it's great that there are still filmmakers like there's so few, right? Quentin Tarantino, yeah. I guess, would be another, but he doesn't get near the amount of money that a Christopher Nolan original concept could get, right? Like, who else is going to be able to go to Warner Brothers and be like, "Let me drive a seven, our true seven forty seven into a building and film it." And the movie will make no sense, but just, uh, give me, give me hundreds of millions of dollars to do that. And, you know, I'm going to put it, I'm going to do it in film. I'm going to film it on IMAX and we're going to put it in theaters. Right. It's just so counter to the way that movies are going now. So I, mm. I, I just, you, you want people like that still making movies.
1: And it's fun, I think, to watch a movie by a director who has a sort of signature style. And I know that's not super, super rare, but there aren't so many movie directors who get to make that many mainstream films who do have a a certain style. And I appreciate that um, Nolan is a person who's like, I'm very fascinated by this and I'm going to work it into movies in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I liked Mm -hmm. it. I would recommend this movie to other people. I think watching it in your home is the best way to do it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun watch. <laughs>
2: Going counter to everything. It's
0: not as it's not. Go ahead, Joyce. <laughs> I was gonna say it's not as unfortunate as watching something like Dunkirk at home. No, like you want the Dunkirk.
1: hundred percent agree. Theater yeah. You want to see that in theaters.
0: Yeah.
2: I think that's what, that's exactly what I was gonna yeah. say. Contrary to exactly what I was just saying about him being the director that makes these movies for the biggest screen. I would say now that this movie is available on streaming, now that I've watched it again, this is when I would recommend it. Put on the subtitles. Um, don't wake up sleeping babies, but en- enjoy it just as what it is a, a pretty cool action movie mm-hmm. from a guy who, you know, you've kind of come to know what to expect from the film. And I, I, I would just say John David Washington was a great lead. The cast was great. It was, uh, yes. it was a good star vehicle for him. Even though he had to wear a mask on his face for a lot of the movie, But he gets to also wear beautiful suits and stand next to beautiful people like you know Robert
1: Pattinson. He
0: and he also has a he also has a like an impressive beard. Like his beard is beautiful. <laughs> I
1: said that during the movie to Laura. Just I was on like, a, "What a aside. beard!
0: It is exceptional." He's <laughs> also
1: pretty jacked in that yeah. movie. Like he's been working out. It's all mm, of those. Uh, he
2: just does pull ups and like random like random. I was also going to (laughs) mention just a fun fact because I read this and I thought it was really cool just about uh, the making of this movie Mm. is that for like almost all of the the visual effects that were done in this were done in camera meaning there was no green screens very little if any computer generated elements and one of the craziest facts about this is that most of the reverse scenes were actually performed in reverse by stunt performers so wow. the footage wasn't... Wow. In some cases, the footage was reversed, but in a lot of the scenes where you see people moving forward and backward, stunt performers trained themselves to move that way, to look like they're that's moving cool. in reverse, or drive in reverse.
0: That's really it's cool.
2: really impressive. And when you start thinking about little things like that, no one's doing that. No one else making movies would 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 do it that way. And so I'm kind of like, you know what? That's interesting. That's
1: Should they, interesting. though?
2: <laughs> Why
1: not? Also, I want to note, just a fact check, Sam. Um, he was actually doing pulled downs. Um, <laughs> they were in reverse. There we go.
0: Oh, you know what? Push push downs? I, I actually read about this. I read about this. He's not, he's doing neither. He's doing chin ups. Not
1: no, ups, I was making a joke is. that, uh, because <laughs> yeah. the inversion.
0: Chin downs. Anyway. Yes. Yeah
1: uh surprisingly or not surprisingly i don't know we all seem to endorse tenant as a as a home watch so i encourage mm-hmm. everyone to do so um yeah and i guess that's it that's it for this watchman maybe we'll be back next week you know what? a quiet place 2 is out i think is it out in streaming or is it out in theater oh you know what's
2: you know what we have to review that's coming out right away uh, you sent us you sent us a news clip regarding this film i think it comes out on may 31st on netflix
1: What's out on May 31st?
2: The latest Zack Snyder joint.
1: Oh, the oh. zombie bank robbing.
2: Army one. of the Dead or our yeah. Army. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Okay,
1: well, maybe, maybe. We'll see. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It's only like we'll be two back. hours and 45 minutes long.
0: Oh my god. We'll be back at least for another few weeks. Yeah, we
1: still have money in the in the old SoundCloud. So thank you so much everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye bye.
0: See you everyone. See you next time.